Hello and welcome to Escape with me, Simon Calder. This is the podcast that takes you to the four corners of the earth with the help of an expert travel guide. And I'm afraid the best we could do today was the adventure tour leader, photographer and wildlife expert, Paul Goldstein. Good afternoon, Simon. I'm glad you've been to the Charm School. (laughs) Um, Now, coming up, Paul will be conducting a masterclass on African safaris. Uh, One of our joint favourite cities, Vancouver, is our 48 hours city break destination and with the storm season in the Caribbean, should you avoid the region. But let's start with the very blunt talking point when airlines mess up. And this, of course, is being triggered by, well, mostly the British Airways pilot strike and in particular uh, what BA did once the British Airline Pilots Association had said we're going to be striking on the 9th and 10th of September and also on the 27th. Um, Paul, you've been watching this. Um, You're very much involved in the travel industry. Uh, What went wrong? This is a a catalogue of disasters. It's it's a pantomime. Uh, You would think they would look at sort of past cases, or even they'd look at Boeing, which was the the classic case of PR gone completely wrong, and think, actually, we've really stuffed up. It's totally mea culpa. They have no one else to blame but themselves. But instead, they've circled the wagons with this air of obfuscation, uh, of confusion, uh, and frankly, cynicism. Uh, And the most important thing that they did wrong for me is that they didn't put people on the phones. I mean, it's sort of one-upmanship of how long people have tried to get through. It's like, oh, you, oh, only 45 minutes. No, no, I judge mine by calendar. Uh, it's taken me three days. But it's been a shambles. Uh, and the fact that people are saying, you've cancelled my flight, but online it's still on sale, uh, gives you some idea of the, the, the hardness of this currency. It's, it's been a shambles. They should hang their heads in shame, and they should give an awful lot of money back, and they should do it now. Uh, otherwise, you know, they deserve all the grief they're getting. And this isn't going to go away, because their strike is, is quite a distance off. And, and it's so simple. When you get a problem, arm the phones. People, a lot of people don't want to go online, particularly if they don't leave the correct links, strangely, on their first email. No, the whole thing stinks, I'm afraid. Right. Um, can I put up uh, British Airways defence, which is that um, although they knew a strike was on the cards, they didn't know when it would be called mm-hmm. and when it would be called for. And the uh, pilots union chose pretty much the worst possible time from BA's point of view, late on Friday afternoon before a bank holiday weekend, um, giving them very little time to react. And sure, somebody uh, got the date range wrong on all the pre-arranged emails because obviously they knew very well. That's quite an important detail. You, know, you, yeah. you, you don't push that out with the bad news on a Friday. You know, it's um, kind of critical, isn't it? So, so therefore, quite a lot of people got... People going on a Friday for their honeymoon or something. It's quite important well, that they get that absolutely rudimentary detail right. Well, no, but but um, so they, they cancelled some flights and then uncancelled them. But it was just very tough. You can't suddenly say to... You, you can't have a thousand people on standby just for when the pilots union decides it's going to call the strike and it's a bank holiday weekend and um, you know, it takes a bit of uh, get, getting uh, back on 
course. I mean, my I'm personal... glad to hear the the the, the, the phrase uncancelled flight that we can now introduce into the travel lexicon. That's not one I've heard before. Um, so congratulations, British Airways, with that. My sympathy is that the pilots are asking for eleven percent, which no eleven point five. No, 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 they're not happy with eleven point five. Oh, they're not happy with it. Oh my. So I mean, it seems rather a lot, doesn't it? Well, um, the, the the pilots say the British Airways. As long as the train lines don't get a whiff of this, so they're striking for like a half a percent above inflation. They're all going to be on strike. You know, we're all going to be on your Brompton bike, Simon, before too long. uh, uh, Thank you for that bit of product placement. Um, No, it's not going to be... Right, if you're a pilot, you say the reason British Airways making £1.9 million, billion pounds of profit every year, uh, that's because I'm flying this plane pretty well. Therefore, I want more of a share of that. Thank you very much. And so, therefore, that might... British Airways says it will take the... Uh, salaries of, of its uh, senior captains to over £200,000 a year, they'd say that's about right. And of course, there's many other pilots who get paid a lot less than that. So yes. it's a dispute. It's between a very profitable organisation and a relatively well-paid group of workers. And it's unfortunate that the passenger's in the middle. But but that's where we are. And look, we've seen Ryanair, they had uh, the problem with their pilots' rosters. That was actually even worse in terms of the number of cancelled flights. Um Airlines just just stuff up, don't they? Uh, no, no. I just I just don't think you can hang it on that. And and you're sort of you, as ever, you're absurdly well informed about, uh, about airlines. But uh, look, uh, l- let's be clear. If if any anyone, it doesn't matter whether it's trains, whether it's airlines, whoever it is, wants to strike, they don't look at the calendar. And go now. When's the lowest time for business? Oh yeah, that would be after half term in February. Okay, that's when we'll strike. Of course they don't. You know, you're being romantic about this. It's, they strike when it causes the most trauma. Of course they do. Uh, so British Airways have just got to be on this. They were, and they absolutely weren't. And there's important um, comparisons if you go back to much more serious situations when Pan Am. Um, on previous programme, you are talking Pan Am. When Lockerbie happened, Pan Am closed off the phone, so they thought this problem would go away. We know what happened to them in very short space of time. When Jal flew a plane into the side of the mountain, I, th- I believe I'm right in this, within about 48 hours, $1 million was deposited into each nearest relative's um, account with, with nothing to hang on it. And the, I think the chief engineer committed suicide. The, and their share price went up. I mean, they behaved with enormous responsibility and duty of care. I, it's difficult, it's, uh, and it's everybody gets angry. I mean, there are acres on social media about just how bad. And it's very easy for uh, journalists and websites to just pick them up and make British Airways the four guys. I get that. But to me, the advice is simple. Get people on the phones, get it picked up uh, by a sympathetic voice, not a cynical email, particularly when it doesn't include the right information. Uh, and that would be the fact that um, they said you are, will not be travelling on the date you're supposed to be travelling, as opposed to you. What, what is actually nearer the truth, which is that you will be travelling on the date you're supposed <laughs> yeah, to, because we have to buy a ticket on EasyJet or Virgin Atlantic or anybody else to get you to your Well, they, they're, they're saying that they, they, people are complaining because they will only use their approved partners. Uh, there's a lot of chatter about that as well, that they won't go uh, to, the, to the great Satan of, of Ryanair and, and EasyJet. Well, great Satan to them. So... It is. It's a, it's a complete mess. Um, do you think the, the regulator, the Civil Aviation Authority, does enough? I, I, well, I, I don't know how, but I mean, they've said that they came out today saying you've got to get your house in order. Even which came out and said, get your act together. Uh, how much, you know, do they really have teeth? The, the airline regulator here, you'd know this better than well, I they, do. They, they are the regulator who is the national enforcement body for the European mm. Passenger Rights 
regulations. So therefore, this they should be able to say, um, first of all, that's not good enough. But, but I very, very much detect that they have been allowing the airlines not to meet their obligations with impunity. And so therefore, every summer there is a crop of stories about yeah. how airline X, Y or Z has cancelled a plane last minute at which point you have to book everybody a hotel, you have to look after them, mm. and they just leave everybody sleeping on the floor. Yeah, they do. I mean, I've, um, I've, goodness me, it's happened to me. Well, not just me. I flew back. Uh, I've got two instances here. I, I flew back um, on an expensive seat from East Africa, and it was a, it was a, they made an utter holics of it. So I wrote, I got the form, the correct one. I put, they gave me two because they knew, you know, I had a whole flight to write it. So it, it, it was chapter and verse, and I sent them. it to them. You know where this story is going, and uh, of course I got no reply. A colleague, uh, somebody I know, um, this is interesting. Uh, the attached image shows what my wife and I were served for breakfast last week in World Traveler Plus. They've paid a few bob from Nairobi. I wonder if you might regard this as an acceptable meal at the end of an eight our overnight flight from Nairobi. Now, what's obviously happened is they've got some branding Penelope Tamaras and Tristrams in, and they said only 40% of people on an overnight flight eat. So they've come up with some ghastly spirulina and quinoa cereal bar, and that's it. So I've seen the photograph of it, and, and it says, to make matters worse, we were allocated seats in different rows. Um, blah, 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 blah. I've, I've been a travel writer for a very long time, uh, and um, I remember British Airways from my earlier days, and at least you can make the effort to provide a decent breakfast for those who cannot afford to get on the plane and turn left. A very reasonable, properly typed letter. Uh, all right? Don't have enough people on the phones, don't even bother replying. Um, come on, you guys, mm. you can do better than that. It, it's it's uh, a PR car wreck. Well, thank goodness there's plenty of competition. That's yes, all I is. can say. And look, you're a travel industry insider. You have been for a thousand years. Stuff goes wrong. Yes, it, it does. Uh, yeah, of course it does. And goodness me, uh, um, you know, cast the first uh, glass houses and all that. Yeah, the, this is British Airways today. It could be someone else tomorrow. But you are judged in adversity. You are judged how you behave when it goes wrong. And I just, I, I, I think if they looked at themselves, absolutely honestly, they could have done a bit better. Uh, and people want to see a human side. Now you've got your chance to show it. Uh, very good. I, I've written down a few things that you've said, which is actually a first. That, um, I believe it is. Yeah, goodness <laughs> me. Um, very good. Let's let's move on to our. What's city. that one? Sea lawyers. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> We're going to move on to our city break slot, yes. and this is one. Well, I know we've argued a fair amount, but we can agree on Vancouver being one of yes. the best spots on the planet. Yes, absolutely. What do you uh, love about it? Well, there's there's only two cities I've ever been to. Uh, your previous guest is talking about wandering around. She loves something like that. Absolutely respect that view. It's not for me. Uh, uh, but if I had to live in two other big cities, one would be Sydney, the other would be Vancouver. The downside straight away is I'd have to be able to afford them. But it is seriously expensive, West Coast Canada. Goodness me. Uh, I mean, even a, a regular supermarket is twice what you're paying here. Uh, and uh, I know you're not a regular supermarket, uh, Simon, guy. Everything has to be ethically sourced. But even there, if you went to a farmer's market in Vancouver, you know, that's, that's your, your, your kids schooling, the repair payments on the car, all done uh, for weeks. But what a city it is. Firstly, it has the, 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 a proper transport system. Uh, I mean, even you know, no one in their right mind would 
come out from the airport or go to the airport on anything other than public transport. The metros are delight. The aquabus is wonderful. Uh, the uh, Lionsgate Bridge is a problem, so try and avoid driving unless you, you absolutely have to get north up to Squamish and Whistler and the like, but and West Vancouver. But it's it is it's terrific. It has a decent climate pretty much most of the year. But most importantly, you you have access to so much. Uh, whether it's wildlife, whether it's kayaking, whether it's mountaineering, whether it's skiing, it, it's it's marvelous. But the actual city itself, uh, I, I yeah. What, what if I had to say this is what you must do? Hire a bicycle, um, okay. And certainly Stanley Park, it's so well organized. I was thinking, imagine cycling in Hyde Park and, and they actually put a track there and it would be an, an absolute um, disaster because you'd have people stopping and all sorts. They're so well mannered and it goes anti-clockwise. You do the whole of Stanley Park in about half an hour, it's an anti-clockwise circuit. So you don't have the crashes and trauma you'd get elsewhere. Uh, and it, so there's a beach or there's a stop or there's a restaurant and, and it's just wonderful, particularly if it's, if it's nice weather. The aquarium is, is the best um, aquarium I've been to. I don't think aquarium is right up there with kids and museums in terms of, you know, the face drops, but kids generally like aquariums. This one is a delight. The, I'm trying to think of the area, the downtown area. I'm going to think of it as a second. Um, well, Granville the, Island. Granville Island? Yeah, Granville Island's yeah, lovely, lovely with all the, um, the the restaurants with the, the, the walkway. Um, I'm going to think of it in a second. but uh, Okay, while you're me, thinking, but, I'm going to talk about getting there and, um, and staying there. So, uh, WestJet and Air Transat from Gatwick. Normally the best but actually i've been seeing british airways later in september has some unusually good fares it might be a reflection of the uh, i flew air canada they, 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 yeah. they were good. very nice planes um i yeah. think they'd taken tips from british airways breakfast cereal bars but uh the, the planes were good the service was very nice charming but um uh, yeah the, the food was okay um, and, and i don't know where you stay I, I think it's fun to stay at the ywca as they say this is a social enterprise place um mm. very nice downtown very cheap um, compared with everywhere else uh, 73 pounds double a night and do you stay anywhere else I mean I, I stay downtown uh, but we got and uh, I was with my family and we got an apartment uh, I was no <laughs> moment you get an apartment you got a bit of breakfast here and some milk and stuff it's it's a load easier and it, it saves you saves you pounds and also it was about a 40 minute walk from downtown um, where they, you have all those restaurants to uh, Stanley Park uh, everything was in decent um, distance. Then you've got that extraordinary suspension bridge. Yes. Capilano? Capilano, uh, yeah. Yes, just a tip, a traveller's tip. Uh, it's not cheap. Uh, the guy in the hotel uh, said, oh, your kids are going to love it. Uh, that really should have been the warning signal. Yes. What he's actually saying is, and I'm going to love the commission I get for, yes, I can sell the tickets here. <laughs> so, yes, I walked into that, you know, starry-eyed oh. uh, and got there on a hot Saturday and arrived there at 11 o'clock. And as yeah. you can imagine, yes, the, the queue to get in wasn't too bad, but the queue to get on the suspension bridge was 50 minutes. To get anything to eat was a low bar, and I turned straight round. But I would love to do it, but uh, another yes. time. Well, Grouse Mountain, this, I think, is a big surprise, the mm. fact that you've got the peak of Vancouver. That's right. And you could, you can. I, I recommend getting there early in the day. I know that's difficult mm. for you, Paul. Um, and uh, then uh, walking up the hill, and then getting the cable car down. Mm. Although sadly, they've changed the pricing policy, so you can now no longer travel down on the cable car for free. Um, yeah, they've done that, but they haven't done that up at um, Squamish. Uh, oh. which I thought was rather good, but it's a ridiculous walk. But uh, if you want to go out of town and if you have hired a car, um, I would suggest the cable car ride, it's new, up in Squamish, is, is amazing. Okay. It really is. They've got 
um, a walkway to a bar and restaurant. And then you, there is a number of trails, but you can only get there. It's something like a 3,000-foot climb. Uh, it's about... Uh, 10, 15 minutes on the cable car. So they've really done a good job there. Um, I think it had a headache with its machinery. It was about a few weeks ago. But, Don't we um, all? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, but then, of course, Whistler, if you really want to go on the cable car, Whistler is a machine 12 months a year. But they have the highest and longest zip line in North America. Ooh. Now, this again, it isn't cheap. But you do two kilometers of zip wire uh, and you do it two and a half kilometers in just over two minutes. Ooh, now that gives okay. you some idea of the speed. That's a approaching 90 miles an hour. Uh, I think they probably do it in kilometers an hour. It sounds even better, but that, and, and they really did a good job there. There's so much um, there. So yes, you, you need to put your credit card into convalescence after you come back from Vancouver, I think. Very good. Okay, well, another place where you have to put your credit card or sell another kidney to get there is, um, of course, a safari in Africa. Um, you are going to be conducting the Travel Masterclass. What are your qualifications? Um, I've been guiding safaris in Africa since... Well, I've been... first went on safari in 1984. Right. Um, and oh. I did my first guiding in 1992. I have now probably about 140 staff in Kenya, four camps, a couple of us own, and e all eco-gold camps. And yeah, it, it's, I, I don't think there's, I feel that's, this sounds pious, but it's my spiritual home. There's not a day I wake up early uh, in the morning because we get up early. It's a daytime continent um, that I don't yearn to be there, actually. Uh, I, I really don't. Uh, I was in Dorset staying in a uh, camping last night and it was lovely and I could hear owls, but I, you know, the, the sound of lions or hyenas close by is, is what really gets me going. I like sharing it. I like showing, I, I guide photographers normally, but you are right, you know, to do it properly, sometimes that it often will cost you a bit. Well, it's a giant continent. You can go mm. all the way from Egypt and Morocco to South Africa, yeah. Mozambique, mm. Namibia. Uh, where's best for you? It, I, I will always say the conservancies in on the edge of the Masai Mara. I mean, I get asked so the place, question. So place that for us. Okay, Masai Mara is uh, contiguous with the Serengeti. Um, so there's just a country border. Serengeti is Tanzania. Masai Mara is Kenya. It's more concentrated animals. It's the classic rolling plains, the dotted plains with the uh, acacia trees. And it has the highest concentration of predators uh, on the planet. Uh, the conservancies were put up 10 years ago to avoid, you know, just all the money going to a few pockets in the reserve, which frankly, in high season right now, can be a bit of a circus. In the conservancies, you have uh, controlled numbers of vehicles. Uh, I think it's 380 acres per guest. So they're only small uh, places where you stay. And well, to give you an example, it's, I believe, the only growing area for lions in terms of numbers in East Africa. So it shows um, that sort of sensitive tourism uh, works. But most importantly, the stakeholders, the, the, the landowners and the pastoralists, they get a slice of the pie. So of course, it's in their interest to look after it. But safaris is a, it's a difficult one. There's many, many countries, and I always give the same tips. Research is critical. Now, if you see a safari in the Masai Mara or Serengeti or Kruger or Itosha, and it's $600, and then you see another one, and it's $4,000, you know, there might be a bit of a difference, you know? You, you have to look at that. Secondly, you, you've got to look at things like, where are you staying? How big is the place you're staying? If it takes 200 people, that's probably going to have an impact on your safari. If it's not in the National Park or Reserve, that also you're going to be bound. Can you drive? off-road. 
uh, critical, absolutely critical. What time can you go out on game drive? If you ever see, oh, you go out with the sunrise, go somewhere else, all right? What? You want to be in position by the sunrise because that's generally when animals are at their most active. You have to put a bit of pain in earlier uh, because by 10, 11 o'clock, you know, they're going to be asleep probably when you're having your, your little nap. Uh, it <laughs> is. You really need to do that research. And if it looks cheaper and you find out you've got to drive the whole way to the reserve and it takes nine hours, you might be better off flying that. It'll cost you a little bit more. So it is a balancing act. You know, people have their own budgets. Uh, you talked about um, being in a four by four. What about on foot? Do they work? They're, oh, they're oh, um, absolutely. Uh, walking safari, sort of, some people, are, oh, you often find walking safari, oh, yes, we're going to walk over the places you drove over yesterday. You find they're from the same company. No, a walking safari is a very different experience. But uh, if you go somewhere like South Luanga in Zambia, it's probably the king for it. There's places in Kenya, Tanzania. Again, research. Uh, if they just say, oh, if ever you read tremendous bird life and great views, it means there's no other animals all right you've got to look for that you want to see big predator counts because um that generally means you're going to see some action i'm not sure that if i'm walking around um uh, i necessarily want to see a big predator heading okay. in my direction uh, well that's a, that's a, that's the sort of disney uh, approach towards um safaris it's actually the only things you really have predators were if you get out of a vehicle near leopard cheetah or lion they will run uh, unless yes, they will. Um, that that's that's built into their DNA. Unless you uh, sort of made a dive out of the vehicle to grab the lioness's young cub, I think she might get a bit bleak uh, about that. But no, it, uh, buffalo and elephants are your most dangerous animals. Uh, also, anybody who's lazy enough to use the term "big five," avoid them like the plague. It's it's a lazy term. It's also a hunting term. Those are the animals people most like to shoot. Um, there's an old Enderbeely saying that says, "Once you got your feet sort of stuck in the mud of the the Zambezi, you know, out in the wild, it's very difficult to pull them out." And it is. You do a decent safari, it will often design your holidays for uh, uh, the next I don't know how many years uh, it, it really abs it gets in your blood and people say oh come on you've seen the animals go and do one and you'll see, you, you'll see what they mean and you don't have to be a photographer you know you want to take a, a smartphone to do your photo it doesn't matter the one tip I would say regarding precision optics have a decent pair of binoculars it makes such a difference the amount of the my binoculars uh, is the first thing I reach for in the morning in my tent is I reach for the binoculars have a cup of tea have a bit of a chat with some of the stuff what's been wandering through at night oh yeah if where you're staying is fenced don't stay there well, what's the point in some hermetically sealed place with with 150 other people reading the daily mail other newspapers of course uh, are available uh, now online and i guess uh, your binoculars print, also uh, useful for finding your breakfast on the flight home thank you very much yeah, right. uh, but no I'm it's, it's important those binoculars they um it really is. And I don't get to use mine very often because I see people with these laboring with their, these little opera glasses uh, and they can't even see you, you know, the tree that the leopard's on, let alone the leopard. So it's, it's a really good thing. A good pair, they'll, they'll probably outlive you. Um, you talked a lot about East Africa, a bit about Southern Africa. Mm. What about West Africa? Well, a safari actually means journey, that the, the, the sanctimonious people will tell us, it's a journey. It's not, <laughs> it, what, what do they say? It's, it's not the, it's the getting there. No, it isn't. It's the being there. All right, we're done with that. Ask British Airways people. Ask them about the getting there. I'm British Airways clients. Uh, no, West Africa just doesn't have many animals. Central Africa doesn't. You know, let, this is simple mathematics. The elephant numbers have gone down. Uh, there's probably only 400,000 left in the wild now from several million. Uh, in 2016, 
42,000 were poached, were butchered, their carcasses littering the plains. This is mathematics, and this is our lifetime we're talking about. Uh, CITES, the, the huge uh, conservation conglomerate, are meeting at the moment. Uh, and they'll be doing a lot of talking, and there'll be a lot of marketing people there, and, a lot of, and, and nothing very much will happen, because you know, you, the, the real heroes are always the anti-poaching patrols. Um, but unless local people get a decent warm off um, safari business, they don't care. Why should they? But they get decent financial reward. You know, this thing has a future, and that's what conservancies do, and that's why research into your safari is important, ethically as well, for your own enjoyment. Uh, you mentioned high season. When is high season? And also, maybe there is an overlap, maybe there isn't. When is the best time to go to East Africa? Well, uh, first of all, East Africa, I, it's just when's low season. I've been every month of the year. I'm, I, I never feel shortchanged, and the prices uh, uh, are affected by that. Uh, April, May is generally the wettest. November can be a bit wet, but I've seen, I've had rain every month. You know, what we're doing with the uh, climate change affects weather everywhere. You know, today it's howling, you know, absolutely hammering down in Japan. You know, huge floods there. You wouldn't expect that at this time. Um, so the, and people like to see the big herds. Serengeti is very good in December through till March, April, May. Uh, Kenya is the dry season strongholds of the herds of wildebeest and zebra um, from about, it can be June through, don't believe the guidebooks, they tell you, ooh, August, September. I've seen them arrive in June. I've seen them still there in early December. Oh, you go down to Namibia or South Africa, very different seasons. Namibia gets very little rain, and Namibia is generally about the desert scenery, the finest desert scenery in the world. Animals can be a bit of a bonus, but seeing oryx or giraffes in amongst sand dunes is a, is a pretty special thing, huge towering sand dunes. Uh, South Africa has a wet season in, um, in our sort of wintertime, uh, but it's such a vast country. It, it varies from uh, the Eastern Cape to, to, to the uh, central area and the higher areas. So again, research, prices generally reflect. They use terms like green season, which sounds Sounds lovely, but it often means that that means green. Strangely, means grass. Uh, there is a sort of carpet of grass, maybe six foot high. Strangely, you might not see as much. Uh, you know, that's just the way of it. A few elephants, certainly. Uh, but I, I think if you you really do your research and 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 really, yeah, a, a full day out. Simon, you've spent um, your your you, you've seen cheetahs bring down um, gazelles twelve years ago with me. Your first game drive, uh, I remember you saw three separate lionesses, all with tiny cubs, all sort of lazing on granite. You know, it it should have an effect. Uh, it really does, uh, and I love to see that in people. And you know, if it brings them to tears, those are good tears. Well, good. Thank you for bringing us to tears, as you um, <laughs> seem always to manage to do. Uh, let's stay on the subject of seasons um, uh, briefly. Our warning of the week is it's storm season in the Caribbean, right in the middle of it, and. Yet people are still going there on on holiday because uh, I guess uh, just like the green season in Africa, research it's much cheaper. Oh no, it's much cheaper. Um, so would you go to uh, the Caribbean, maybe to uh, uh, Saint Lucia, maybe Barbados, Antigua, Jamaica, yes. Cuba? Yes, I would. Um, because I mean, the Caribbean no doubt has some glorious euphemism: liquid sunshine. Uh, they got that's rain to you and I, uh, but. Um, Look, it's if you're one of those people, I am not, and I'm quite sure you're not, uh, and I'm quite sure the assembled company here today is not someone who has to park yourself on a on a on a on a sand lounger uh, for the, the whole time of their holidays. Yeah, you probably don't want to go there, and and frankly, the last week or so, you'd be much better off in Cornwall or or on this or on, I don't know in Hove. Uh, but 
it will affect the prices enormously. You know, you, you go to the Caribbean in, in January, February to get away from here. There are temperatures here. That not only is the sunshine uh, hours per day a great deal higher, the humidity uh, tumbles as well. So this time of year, I've been in the Caribbean this time of year, and I got there two days after a huge tropical storm. If I'd been there before... Yeah, that would have been unlucky. I think as long as you're philosophical about it, that realise you're paying half the price of high season, you might get uh, you might get battered around the sea, might not be able, might not be okay to swim in. But it's not like the temperature drops, is it? That much. It's still going to be warm, uh, and you find other things to do because a lot of these Caribbean islands, it's not just about you know gorgeously manicured lawns and extraordinary food and nutmeg pancakes for breakfast and all sorts. Uh, it's about discovering, and particularly the larger islands, uh, Jamaica. I, I've been to Jamaica several times. Oh, it's fascinating. Rastafarian culture is fascinating. I had a huge tour right up into the, is it the Blue Mountains? Blue Mountains, Blue Mountains, Mountains Jamaica, yeah. yeah. In Jamaica. It, excellent coffee. Yeah, well. yes, indeed. Um, it's, um, yeah, it was very interesting. I The only one, I went to St. Lucia, very, very beautiful. Doesn't have that much of a culture because it's been owned by so many, including uh, the UK for uh, back in the day. Um, the bad day, frankly, in the days of... Uh, of plantations, but yeah, I uh, Barbados I like very much, uh, but I love cricket as well. So um, you know that's uh, so I'm happy at the moment, as you can imagine. Uh, and yeah, an afternoon in the rain playing cricket on the beach—that's not a hardship, is it? And now let's go somewhere across the other side of um, the northern hemisphere to Munich. Uh, I presume, as a teetotaler, it, it's not somewhere that you've um, spent much time in. Yeah, well, I've been to Munich. Uh, but, yeah, the thought of drinking huge steins of lager one after another to a teetotaler. Strangely, it's not really my mating call. Right, uh, yeah. but it is a very, very, very popular good, very yeah. popular experience. And also, there is almost no trouble. No, If you can no, imagine not at all. Uh, elsewhere, if lots of people were drinking very large quantities of very strong, very good beer, you're going to have to take my word for it, you would have a bit of trouble, but uh, not there. Um, however... Uh, of course, uh, if you've got tens of thousands of people in town, prices are going to go up and it's going to be a little bit messy, but certainly worth dropping in for the day. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's interesting you say about the, the fact that there's very little aggro. I'm, someone tried to explain this to me once saying, the reason it is, is they are going there to drink. They're not going for a football game. Uh, you know, they're, they're not going for something else where, where drink suddenly has a, uh, may, may have a, a traumatic influence on it. They're going to drink. And that's the point of it. And also, I mean, I'm teetotal, but if you've, they're huge, these things. This is not a great hand sign for radio, but um, uh, these huge steins. If you've had about eight of those, are you going to really feel like causing any trouble? Your stomach distended like you're pregnant? Uh, surely not. But um, I know that's not quite quite how it works anatomically but uh, no it seems good good boisterous fun uh, it, it does and uh, more good boisterous fun in uh, northern ireland location for our bargain of the week um, this is the railway line specifically from belfast to and i have to say this derry stroke london derry uh, in order to avoid offending anybody 13 pounds return for one of the greatest uh, journeys i think anywhere in the uk uh, when i was on the train recently um, i uh, was greatly enjoyed the announcement from the guard Paul. Simon, Simon's at the back of the train there, uh, visiting. Uh, I'm sure taking uh, lovely notes uh, to uh, promote, promote our little part of the world for other people to come and visit. So Simon, you're particularly welcome uh, uh, with fans like the NIR uh, this morning. And also a big welcome to Jennifer. Jennifer is in her uh, uh, final stages of preparation to become a guard with the NIR. She is uh, 
dispatching the main first at the particular stations and also uh, she's doing a powerful job there. So Jennifer, thanks very much for being with us and thanks very much for all the good work. Folks, uh, whatever your plans are for uh, this hump day, would you be sure to enjoy yourselves? In the meantime, would you kindly have your tickets and passes out there so the conductor can have a good look at them? When all passengers now have in their hand are sitting in front of them, their ticket and if applicable, their pass. If you have the envelope, kindly open up the application so that your ticket is easily accessible. I'm sure your Instagram photos are lovely, but the conductor would much rather see your ticket. Thanks very much, everybody, and thanks as well to our lovely driver uh, for bringing us safely all the way to uh, the railway station on the banks of the River Foyle. Driver, on behalf of everybody on the train, thanks very much uh, for all your good work. Now checking all tickets and all passes. And thanks very much for your good work, Paul. Um, all for now, but we'll be back soon to help you plan your escape in the company of the DK Eyewitness Travel Publisher, Georgina D. But from now, for me, Simon Calder and Paul Goldstein, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>